Good morning. Time for the farm show here at the Shank of the Day on Wax 104.5. As Jill and Krista and myself, Bob Bosold, bring you the news and agriculture around the area, around Wisconsin, around the nation, and around the world as part of the Midwest Farm Report family. We've got markets, 13 first alert weather. We'll look at all kinds of calendar items and what's going on in the world of agriculture. Again, it's time for the Farm Show on Wax 104.5. For those who work in acres, not in hours, Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. 34 degrees right now. We're looking about 47 today. So again, the combines will be out rolling again where uh, Mother Nature allows it if it didn't get too muddy in the fields or whatever. But again, it looks like a good weekend to get back out into the field. So again, if you're driving around this weekend, be careful. Bob with you here at the shank of the day as Jill is still down in Indianapolis at the National FFA Convention. Today is the uh, 3rd of November. The convention will run through tomorrow when we'll know who the new national officers are. But uh, lots to take care of. We'll hear from Jill down at the convention as some of the young people from around the area and around the state that she's had a chance to talk to this morning. And again, we thank our sponsors, Citizen State Bank of Loyal, your full-service, locally-owned community bank, specializing in financing Wisconsin's agriculture. Visit or call one of their locations. They're not only in Loyal, but also in Grant and Nielsville, Spencer, Marshfield. Citizen State Bank of Loyal, proud supporters of the FFA, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Also, Compere Financial, providing lending and risk management tools to agriculture and rural communities, proud supporters of the FFA, and Ag Country Farm Credit Services, focused on ag, focused on you, and a poll hangs over the uh, Ag Country Farm Credit Services organization as uh, they lost uh, an awful good man, and uh, we lost an awful good man here in Wisconsin agriculture and just in general. Got the word yesterday that uh, Dennis Bangart, uh, if you were involved in agriculture in this part of the country, you know Dennis, not only at Ag Country Farm Credit Services, but also so active and so involved in showing leadership in so many areas of agriculture. He was the leader of uh, the Wood County Farm Technology Days efforts over in the Marshfield area here a couple, three, four, five years ago, whatever it was, time flies. But Dennis was the... Uh, man that was in charge of the executive committee ramrodded that show and did such a good job putting that show on but he'd been valuable in the uh, marshfield area of chamber of commerce and industry dennis lost his battle with cancer with uh, i believe it was on wednesday that uh, dennis left us and uh, Sad story, leaves behind a wife and three young children. I think the youngest is only about eight months old. So, again, Dennis battled hard against uh, a very aggressive form of cancer. But, uh, again, we lost an awfully, awfully good young man, unfortunately. They say the good die young, and uh, Dennis left us way too soon for his family, his friends, all the people he worked with over the years. Just a tremendous, tremendous uh, member of the agriculture community, and uh, we're all at a loss for uh, losing Dennis Bangard at this young age. So uh, rest in peace, my friend. You, If we could all do as much good work in the short period of time that you were on this earth, we'd all be a lot better off. But again, Dennis Bangart, 
over there in the central Wisconsin area, the Bangart family. We send our condolences along a good, strong agricultural family and uh, just a good family overall. And uh, they're losing a, a real pillar of their community over there, Dennis Bangart, and we all are because Dennis reached a lot of folks in agriculture all over this part of the country. And he he will be missed, no question about that. So, again, we send our condolences. We don't have any of the arrangements yet as far as uh, final honors for Dennis, but uh, when we get them, we will certainly pass those along. But, again, our condolences to the Dennis Bangart family, just a... Just a tremendous loss. I know he fought awfully, awfully hard, but it was just uh, so aggressive that it uh, took over and uh, claimed Dennis. Other news, we'll again go to the FFA convention down at Indianapolis and hear from more of the young people involved. Our Joe Wilkie is down there. Brent Wink, he's on his way. He'll be in this morning as we cover the crops with Winfield United, Agri-Division of Land Lake. So Brent will be here for that. And uh, we'll talk about, uh, well, we're going to talk cranberries with a gentleman that's not only cranberry grower, but also a finalist for the Leopold Award. That's David Bartling. We'll hear about his operation and his award uh, nomination to be a finalist for the Leopold Award. That'll be presented next month down at the Farm Bureau Convention down in Wisconsin Dells. Also, some awfully good weather on our way as uh, it's getting better. The snow pretty much now all gone. And we hope we don't have <laughs> any more for a day or two. We got some harvesting to do, so we got lots of news to look at this morning here on WAC. Uh, we got 33 degrees, 34 degrees, actually. We'll get our weather forecast updated here in a moment. But the uh, University of Wisconsin-Madison celebrating 175th anniversary as a university. And, of course, if you've uh, been in the Ag Campus down at Madison, you know one of the popular haunts, as I always enjoyed anyway, Babcock Hall, the famous Babcock ice cream. And, of course, that's different from when I was in school down there. Now they've modernized it, and it is a beautiful place. But the ice cream is still just as good as it ever was. So they wanted that Babcock have a ice cream flavor to commemorate the university's 175th anniversary, so they took a survey and thousands of people cast their votes. And uh, the variety name of this ice cream is 175 S'more Years. 175 S'more Years, however you want to do it. That's the winner, and uh, it's, a, it's a rich chocolate ice cream with a marshmallow swirl and a graham cracker crunch. Boy, doesn't that sound good this morning. How would you like to have a nice bowl of that or an ice cream cone full of that? Man, oh, man. Rich chocolate ice cream with a marshmallow swirl and graham cracker crunch. Now available on campus and select local retailers around Madison. Next time I go to Madison, I'm going to get some of that. I don't know if it's on my diet, but <laughs> but we're going we're gonna to look anyway to celebrate 175 years of the uh, University of Wisconsin in Madison, a rich tradition indeed. And we've got other farm news, of course, to take a look at this morning, including, as we said, we'll get back to the FFA convention in Indianapolis. 
And a whole lot more. President Biden, of course, was in Northfield, Minnesota, a farm earlier this week. Talk about another of his investing in rural America projects. He announced another $5 billion is coming to the countryside to advance rural prosperity as well as speed up economic development, competition, and sustainability. A lot of that money will be focused on climate-smart agriculture projects across the country. We'll take a look at that climate, see where it's at next, right here on Wax. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Five minutes after five o'clock, if you want to check the clock or wonder how long it is before you get off third shift, (laughs) whatever the case may be, be a nice day today if you're going to get out early hunting. It should be a nice morning for that or doing chores out by the bunk. Wind's not too bad, and we'll have some clouds early, then sun later on. High 47 tonight, down to 25. Saturday, mostly sunny, 44. Should be a nice day. Low 50s on Sunday and Monday. Slight chances of rain Tuesday, back into the low 40s. Partly cloudy. It's 33 in Rice Lake, 37 in Medford. Wausau, 34. Marshfield, 35. 42 in La Crosse, 41. Green Bay, Madison, Sun Prairie, Milwaukee, 46. And right here in Eau Claire, Kind of a nice 34 degrees right now. Feeding information to the folks who feed you. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. That little spot that Alex does there for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation always makes me wiggle in my chair just a little bit. But uh, that's a challenge, no question about it. Well, Rural Mutual Insurance bringing us a look at the markets. On a Friday morning, let's uh, look at the trade this week. Choice-fed beef steers traded mostly in a range from 173 to 185, with the mixed steers 172 and down. Choice-fed beef heifers 173 to 183, with the mixed heifers 140 to 172. The finished dairy cross steers and heifers 180 and down. Choice-fed Holstein steers 154 to 164. Select silage-fed Holsteins 89 to 153. The cows 74 to 94. Top of 119 on the cows. Bulls, 90 to 125. Butcher hogs in a range from 47 to 81. Sows, 38 to 44. The boars, 18 to 21. In the sheep and lamb trade and goats, new crop market lambs, 170 to 190. Feeder lambs, 90 to 215. Ewes, 47 to 117. Small goats, 5 to $160. Medium goats, 50 to 250. Large goats, 115 to 400. And the nanny goats, $5 up to 250 Livestock futures were all higher at the close of yesterday. December, live cattle, 184.67. That was $1.05 higher. Fe- uh, February, live cattle, 186.42, up a dollar and a quarter. April at 188.77, up 122. June at 183.22, up a dollar 40. Feeder cattle for November, 242.62, up 405, gaining back some of those big $6 losses we had the one day last week. January feeder cattle, 242.17, up 415. March, up 410 at 244.42. April feeder cattle, up 390 at 248.02. And May, 251.25 at the close. That was up 377. Hogs were also higher yesterday. December lean hog carcass contracts. Closed at 7327. That was up 312. February at 7622, up 277. April 8150, up 240. May at 8705, up $2 even. Board of trade yesterday. In the day trade, the corn was lower as a better weather now is allowing farmers to 
finish up the harvest, putting some pressure on prices. Beans were higher, though. Reports show a big September soybean crush and also lower bean oil stocks. Overnight, December corn down another fraction, sitting at 469. Oats up a fraction at 377. December wheat down 1 to 2 at 563. March soybeans up two cents overnight at 1344. And December meal down 60 cents a ton at $425.70. Barrel cheese was unchanged, 167 and a quarter. Blocks were up a cent and a half at $1.70. Butter lost another two and a quarter, down to 312. Remember earlier in the week, butter was over $3.30 a pound. Yesterday traded at 312. Class three prices were higher. November up 15 at 17.39. December up 22 at 17.35. January class three up 13 at 17.47. February up eight at 17.84. March up eight at 18.22 as prices were higher out through next June. So uh, that's a look at the markets this morning. Courtesy of Rural Mutual Insurance, we're going to go back to the National FFA Convention where Jill has been down there all week uh, watching the activities, getting involved with uh, some of the activities brought to you by our, our good sponsors, Ag Country Farm Credit Services, also Citizen State Bank of Loyal, and Compare Financial. We'll check up on a young lady from our area in the horse proficiency area, one of the national finalists for the... Uh, getting a National Proficiency Award. We'll hear that next, right after one of our sponsors. Keeping it rural. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Coming to you from the 96th National FFA Convention. We're talking proficiency awards. And the first ever National Proficiency coming from Menominee is Miss Madison Kwok. She's in the Equine Science Placement. Now you had to jump through a few hoops before you got to compete here at the national level. What did that look like? We start at state, so I had to compete at the state level. And then the winners of each state move on to the national competition. So I got my application back right after state convention, and they gave me like two weeks to fix it. And then we sent it in. And then early August, we found out that I was one of the four finalists in my category. So then late September, we had interviews with the other three finalists, and now we're here. Your category is probably pretty big. So to be one of the top four in the nation and from our own Menominee, Wisconsin, tell me about your project. Um, I work on my sister's farm. We have seven horses there now, and I clean stalls. I ride most of them over the summer. I ride all different disciplines. I am in charge of making our feed rations. I check the tanks in the winter. I do pretty much all of the management because I'm usually the only one home, especially in the winter. So I'm in charge of anything that could relate to the horses. And along with taking care of your horses, you get out and show them a bit too. Tell me some of those shows that you've gone to. Just last weekend, I was at the State Weehaw Show which is like the school equestrian team, and Menominee placed third in Division B, so that was pretty cool. I also show AQHA shows over the summer, like corporate, cap gun, and I also do WSEA shows at Bitten Spur, Wild Builds, and stuff like that. So I try to show as much as I can, but now show season is kind of winding down as it gets colder. And as I mentioned, we're at the National FFA Convention, and you're competing. Anything you have to do down here for that final push to go across that stage? 
nope, they moved it all before we get down here. So I'm just down here to go on stage and then see if I'm the winner or not. And again, that's Madison Kwok from the Menominee FFA, one of the uh, four finalists for the National Placement Award, or National Award in Equine Science Placement that was presented last night. And uh, the preliminary information I got is that Madison did not win the National Proficiency Award, but still, being one of the uh, final four is quite an accomplishment. So congratulations to Madison Quack from the Menominee FFA chapter. Our reports with Jill from the folks down there at the National FFA Convention brought to you by Compere Financial, Ag Country Farm Credit Service, and the Citizen State Bank and Loyal. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. It's quarter after five. Once again, 34 degrees out there. Everybody's in the 30s pretty much. I didn't see much even in the 20s. So pretty nice morning out there. So again, we've got, uh, like I said, 34 degrees now. We're looking today, pretty nice day, about 47, cloudy early, and then the sun coming in a little bit later on. Tonight, down to 25, Saturday, 44 and mostly sunny. So a couple of nice days, and again, a reminder, if you're out and about, combines, grain trucks, grain wagons, everything, gravity, they're all going to be out again. Trying to get the rest of this harvest done. It won't get done over the weekend, of course, but uh, there will be some progress made with the harvest. So just be very, very careful with that farm equipment on the road. They don't want to be on the road any longer than they have to be, but it is a fact of life. They have to use the roadways to get from field to field to storage. So, again, be very careful. Don't uh, don't get in a hurry. Uh, allow yourself a little extra time. And don't be passing because if they turn into a field and you're trying to go around them, you're going to lose that fight. That equipment is bigger than you are. So, again, be very, very careful, especially might be a weekend where motorcyclists are out. If you're riding a motorcycle, I know they always put a sign out on the back of a lot of cars, watch out for motorcycles. Well, motorcycles, you watch out for farm equipment because I'm telling you what, you think a car doesn't have a chance against a combine, you should see a motorcycle. So let's everybody be careful. Well, USDA economists have released their numbers for September. They show that Wisconsin's all-milk price was nineteen eighty a hundred. That's sixty cents more than August, but two fifty less than last September. Our price was also a dollar twenty less than the national all-milk price of twenty-one dollars, which was a dollar thirty higher than the August price. Now, of the top twenty-four milk-producing states, only four had a price below twenty dollars. Includes us. New Mexico had the lowest price at $19.20 a hundred. Florida had the highest September price at $24.70 a hundred. Well, prices for other Wisconsin farm commodities were mixed in September. Corn and soybean prices were lower with corn averaging $5.07 a bushel. That's 56 cents less than August, $2.05 a bushel less than last September. Soybeans averaged thirteen seventy a bushel in September, down sixty cents from August, forty cents below a year ago. Oat prices were mixed; they averaged three eighty two a bushel in September. That's up a dime from August, but seventy one cents below last September. Hay prices were up. The all hay price of one hundred and fifty eight dollars a ton in September, twenty six dollars more than August, nine dollars more than last September. Alfalfa hay brought $174 a ton in September. That's $30 more than in August and $13 more than a year ago. 
And uh, a little later on this morning, after we get off the air, we're going to check in with uh, State Senator Brad Paff. Earlier this week, he and some uh, other members of the Democratic Party in the legislature, the Senate, and the Assembly offered a package uh, for agriculture. And uh, we're going to find out just uh, what it is and does it have a chance. Because, again, (laughs) Democrats are in the minority in our state legislature in both the Assembly and in the Senate. And whether or not uh, this is going to be accepted by the Republicans, we'll wait and see. But anyway, that was offered a Wisconsin agriculture package going forward. As we said, we're going to hear from a gentleman that raises cranberries, also a finalist for the Aldo Leopold Award, that $10,000 prize plus uh, some crystal. That will be presented next month, about a month from right now, down at the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation Convention down in Wisconsin Dells. That man is David Bartling. So we're going to hear from David coming up here on Wax as we look at a pretty nice day today. Less some sun later on today after some clouds early, then mostly sunny tomorrow. So again, Cranberries, the finalist for the Leopold Award. That's next right here on Wax. Agriculture. It's a Wisconsin way of life. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. The cranberry is a little red tart fruit with a big punch, and Wisconsin produces more of this berry than any other state. The timing of the harvest, though, can depend on the berry and even the location of where you're growing. I'm Charity Seebecker from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. David Bartling, owner of Bartling's Manitowish Cranberry Company, says they finished harvest two weeks ago. He explains what it's like growing cranberries so far north in the state and the different conservation efforts that they use that helped him to be a 2023 Wisconsin Leopold Conservation Award finalist. So we have uh, just under 200 acres in Manitouch Waters, which is northern Wisconsin. And we've been here since my great-grandparents cleared the land and started planting or building beds and infrastructure in the 1940s. So now my brother and I want to manage it and, uh, and try to improve upon what they started. What got your family into this business? Uh, I wish I had a good answer for you, but uh, from what I understand, uh, it was the idea of doing something better for for themselves and for their family. They moved up to northern Wisconsin from central Wisconsin, where there are some cranberry farms, and they had a couple um, really good friends that were just in the business or you know starting in their business, and they kind of landed on this area in northern Wisconsin because there's plenty of water and, uh, and good soil, and there's native cranberries in the area as well. As you mentioned, you guys are pretty north. So being that location, do you have to have a special variety of cranberry to grow? Does it affect differently in that sense, in that soil, that weather variety that you're getting? No, same same varieties. I'm currently sitting in an excavator. We're going to renovate a bed to plant a um, earlier variety in the spring, taking out an older variety um, right now. But it's the same varieties. It's just a shorter growing season. So it's you know, really cold winters and a lot more snow, so that can have an effect. And also in the fall, the snow comes earlier than central Wisconsin, so you don't have the growing degree days like they do to, to set buds for next year's growth. So our crops might not be as big every year, but um, we also do have more sunlight, a little more sunlight in the peak of the summer, so it uh, somewhat evens out. Being this hard north, the winter is so hard and harsh, the, the pest pressure is lower. There's some bugs in central Wisconsin that like inchworm type of animals that uh, either eat the eat the vine or possibly the fruit itself once it starts growing. And there's a few of those 
and we call them pests. Don't we don't even have them up here because they can't overwinter. So then, can you take me through kind of your a brief overview of your year from when you plant in your harvest window, so that we can get an idea? Because you've already t- touched on quite a few of the differences, but kind of paint that picture of just really how you compare to maybe the central farmers that we're used to. Pretty much all the same annual uh, operations and processes. It's just uh, maybe a little bit shorter. Cranberries are perennial, so we don't have to replant them. We've got some that were planted in the 60s and still producing well above the state average. It's just the beds that are either out of elevation compared to the other beds on the farm or a variety that was planted that uh, never panned out like they thought it might have. And now we're moving towards earlier varieties that turn red earlier in the year, so we can start harvest a little bit earlier, so we're not harvesting now. We finished harvest two weeks ago now. So it makes it a little bit easier on us and our equipment and, and the harvest process. But overview of the year, once the ground frost has gone out and the snow has melted, which this last year it wasn't until early May, which is kind of late, uh, the cranberry plants emerge from dormancy and start to grow. And they'll put about three inches of new growth above last year's growth from their bud that they set. And then on top of that, they'll set anywhere from two to two to five berries on average. And then we fertilize according to uh, plant needs. Water management is pretty critical because they have a uh, six-inch root zone, so we have to keep the water table just below that. So they're growing dry, but we want to keep the water accessible to the plants so they don't dry out. And then we have tensiometers across all beds to make sure we're irrigating when we need to. And then uh, we have an integrated pest management plan where we we scout beds weekly or even more than weekly if we know there's a hot spot somewhere to find where we need to spray pesticides if needed or certain beds or blocks or the entire farm occasionally. And then usually mid-September, third week of September, I think this year we started harvest. And that takes us, this year took 10 days, uh, roughly 500,000 pounds a day. And then it seems like it's almost busier after harvest with cleanup and usually renovate a bed or two every year. We haul scalp off about six inches of that overburden. And then in the winter, we'll flood the entire farm when it gets really cold. So we try to freeze a block of ice above the vines, and that acts like a blanket and protects that bud that was set that following season. That'll be next year's growth, and that'll keep the bud either frozen in ice or, or it won't let it dry out from the cold, dry winter wind. So you mentioned harvest is complete for you guys. So how was harvest? How did things look compared to past years for you? It was about average which totally happy with that. Last year we had a bumper crop and the cranberries are somewhat cyclical where they falling year after a big crop is usually a little bit lower. So we expected that and things went really smooth and had really good weather and went really well. What challenges, if any, did you have to face then throughout the season? A lot of it's weather, which is out of our hands. <laughs> Most of it's all out of our hands. Growing season, if it's cool weather, we get uh, honeybees to pollinate. So if there's poor for pollinating weather, you know, if it's cloudy or windy, cool days, honeybees don't want to work as well, so it might not be as good pollinating. And that's making sure all of our equipment is cleaned and working properly to make sure it's can get in the, get in the equipment and use it as it should um, so we're not in the shop fixing things. And with you guys being farther north, how does that affect your labor force or transportation even? How do you feel about moving your berries to wherever they need to be in the supply chain aspect of things? Sure. So we're part of Ocean Spray Cooperative, so we grow our own co-op. Um, so we have a screener agreement that we have with them where we clean and bin our fruit into 1,200-pound or 1,300-pound wooden bins to do that on the farm, which is pretty unique. Uh, most people go to the Ocean Spray receiving station to have that done. So Ocean Spray and us work with logistics of trucking our fruit, which goes to a freezer three hours from here, which is, you know, takes more trucks on the road, which we just have a 
a trucking company do that, but it takes a little more logistics instead of just running, you know, 20 minutes to the road to the, to the nearest freezer or, or receiving station. Workforce-wise, my brother and I have changed a lot of our processes out here so it's less labor-intense. Where we used to have six or more people standing and waiters in the water bringing the fruit to the to the machine that pulls the cranberries out of the water, where now we'd have uh, mechanized nets, so we just have a tractor on the side that hard to imagine, but it tightens a, a big corral of berries around it, so it's not so nobody's in the water, and we eliminated five jobs by doing that and a few other things similar to that, where we used to have 20 people, and now we we're down to about half that for harvest help. So it makes it a lot easier on everybody, and and a lot of northern Wisconsin has a lot of retirees, so a lot of the jobs are tractor driving and dump truck driving, which a lot of retired guys, uh, men usually and women want to just come out and drive something for two to three weeks and instead of standing out in freezing cold weather and waiters. So we've been pretty fortunate with help since we've mechanized a lot more. And you guys are also a recent finalist for the 2023 Wisconsin Leopold Conservation Award. So can you tell me a little bit more about your conservation efforts and what unique things you guys have done on your operation that have helped you to be able to be noticed for this award? Yeah, a lot of it's um, almost intrinsic in who we are in our operation. But we, you know, like I said, we have an integrated pest management plan that, that we write and scout for pests ourselves. So in the winter, I write the plan. And then summer, we, myself or brother, are out scouting our fields to make sure we don't have pest issues, soil management or water management. We have tensiometers and have had tensiometers for over 10 years now to measure water um, tension in the in the soil profile instead of just you know sticking your finger in and thinking you need to irrigate where we've reduced how much we irrigate because our you know we're going by data not just a not just a farmer opinion and then we've also taken upon ourselves to try to keep native pollinators closest to the farms we can by planting pollinator uh, prairies which we've totally seen the benefit of having a lot more bumblebees and butterflies all, all over and finally I think the other thing is we switched to softer pesticides that we use where we don't spray broad-spectrum pesticides anymore, and we haven't for 10 to 15 years or more, where we're spraying a, a pesticide that will that targets a specific pest and leaves all beneficial insects like spiders out in the field, which spiders actually eat some of our pests. So we, we like spiders and, um, you know, just little really small spiders, but they eat pests, so it's, it's that many less pesticide applications that we have to do. So there's a lot of little things that, that add up to... Uh, trying to keep the soil and land in the best shape we can. And again, that's David Bartling, Cranberry Grower, finalist for the Leopold Award, and uh, everything advances. Don't need as many cranberry workers because of that, but uh, not seeing them out there in the rubber boots and the bogs, it's, uh, you know, things are changing in agriculture. It's just like the old hay, and everybody used to have the neighborhood kids making hay. You know, one person can make an awful lot of hay. So times have a change, that's for sure. David Bartling, and again, one of the finalists for the Leopold Award and a great cranberry grower here in Wisconsin. So uh, good luck to David. Uh, you heard what he does on his farm, some of the things that he's changed, and uh Better for the environment, better for people, better for the crop, and a leader, that's for sure. David Bartling. Hey, more coming up. We're going to get Morgan catch up with the news next right here on WAX. And let's get to uh, Morgan and the news this morning on a Friday. Morgan, like always, I'm sure you got a lot for us. Well, good morning. Here's what we're learning today. We start with headlines near us and a sheriff in Sauk County asking hunters to keep a lookout for a teen who's been missing for months. The sheriff's office yesterday said as hunters take to the woods and field this month, maybe keep an eye out for evidence of James Yablonski who went missing after he headed out to Devil's Lake State Park. 
He hasn't been heard from since. As we look into other headlines, prosecutors in Chippewa Falls move ahead with charges against a man who they say tried to have sex with a teenager, a 15-year-old girl. The DA's office yesterday saying 39-year-old Brian Anderson reached out to someone online who he thought was a teen girl. Anderson says the whole thing was a scam aimed at extorting money. He's been charged with using a computer to facilitate a child sex crime. In other headlines, an elderly former teacher from Toma heads to prison for 10 years for the abuse of a teenage boy at a private school. A judge this week sentenced 74-year-old Ann Nelson Koch to a decade behind bars after investigators say she repeatedly sexually abused a 14-year-old boy in a Toma private school during the 2016 and 2017 school year. Following her prison term, she will spend 15 years on probation. Looking into other headlines that put us in the woods, the Wisconsin DNR says deer harvest numbers could be down and so far are blaming the snow. The DNR yesterday said those deer numbers could be down for the entire 2023 hunting season because of the lack of ability to track without that snow out there. Last year, hunters bagged 203,000 deer, which is 8% above the state's five-year average. On the state level, Republicans are introducing legislation that would create regional crisis centers throughout the state. The Department of Health services would certify the centers, which would be publicly available 24-7. $10 million already budgeted for mental health would pay for those centers. We see Governor Evers investing $36 million in five building projects across the state, with the governor saying that investment would support over 400 jobs and $68 million in economic activity. An example would be a convention center, a soccer stadium, and the National Railroad Museum. Those are all projects being invested in. And when it comes to rounding the bases, it could be Hoffa, not on third, but under third. Hello to this story. A team of cold case experts is out with a report that says the former Teamsters boss is buried in the parking lot of the Milwaukee Brewers ballpark. The group, the Casebreakers, says Hoffa's body is buried where the third base used to be at County Stadium. That is currently under the parking lot at American Family Field. The theory is that Hoffa's body was dug up and moved to the parking lot when the new stadium was built in 1996. Hoffa has been missing since 1975, and there have been dozens of theories about what happened to his body. I'm Mark Mayfield. Well, there's no time for baseball when the chores need to be done. We better head back to the barn on a busy Friday with Bob Bosold and your Midwest Farm Report on Wax 104.5. Thank you, Morgan, and you have a good time. I'm sure she's probably uh, getting all bundled up already so she can go watch uh, Boyceville and Edgar play football tonight. There, I believe the game is in Boyceville. Well, what's the weather going to be like for all those? Well, there are not that many left now. A lot of those teams are done. We only have a few left weather-wise shouldn't be too bad. Let's find out. As we go over to 13 first alert weather, Mike Dandre is with us. Morning, Mike. Good morning, Bob. I see your Steelers won last night, didn't they? You know, it's it's kind of funny because I'm a huge Steelers fan, but I'm almost getting mad when they win because of the way they're winning. You know? <laughs> hey, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> they they should the easily... bottom line is they're winning. That's one you can say for the green and gold uh, of our Green Bay Packers. Don't get don't I, get so high and mighty. <laughs> I suppose, but they they could easily the way that their wins have gone, they could easily be zero and eight. Like easily. I mean, they're as far as their offense is concerned, they're getting outgunned on offense by almost eight hundred yards. <laughs> Really? Yes. Oh, man. The only worst team that has a worse yard differential is the Denver Broncos. And remember, they gave up 70 to Miami. And remember, they beat the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, I guess that that was kind of salt but in the wound. But let's get I'm back sorry. to high school football here. <laughs> yeah. McDonald, Chippewa Falls, McDonald, and Thorpe. 
Edgar at Boysville, what kind of weather we got for watching those games? Well, this afternoon, actually going to be a lot warmer. We'll have some cloud cover early on, maybe a chance at some sprinkles, but for the most part, things will be staying dry and then get in on some sunshine into the afternoon. But things are going to cool off a bit tonight. We'll have another cold cold night ahead of us with uh, temperatures dipping to the mid-20s by daybreak tomorrow. So just bundle up if you're heading to any of those games tonight, partly cloudy overnight. Tomorrow morning may start off with some patchy fog, but we'll have some sunshine, couple passing clouds and highs in the mid-40s. But then Sunday, we'll have some cloud cover, winds out of the south. That's going to help push us near 50. But Sunday night brings a chance at some showers and not really going to dip too much in terms of our temperatures, only dipping to the mid to upper 40s. And for Monday, partly sunny, temperatures holding steady around that 50-degree mark, and then we start to cool things off with winds returning out of the north. Monday night lows back to the mid-30s. And for Tuesday, mostly cloudy, back to the mid-40s, and we cool it off all the way to the low 40s by Thursday. A couple chances at some showers head our way on Wednesday and Thursday as well. But right now we have a mostly cloudy sky and a temperature of 35 degrees, so really not a bad start to the morning. Not bad at all, and a little sun later on will feel good too. You bet. All right, well, you going to a high school football game today? Uh, no, actually, uh, the wife and I have a little date night planned where we're uh, going to go to a bookstore, find a cookbook, and then have a stranger pick out a uh, recipe in there, and that's what we're having for dinner tonight. So, A stranger? What do you mean, just somebody in the bookstore? Yeah, anybody, either another patron or someone that works there, just kind of pick one of the, the meals out of the cookbook, and yep, that's what we're having. Where'd you come up with that idea? That's kind of neat. She has this date book, date ideas book, yeah. and uh, that was one, and I was like, you know what? I like this. I'm excited yeah. for it. Yeah, that should be fun. I'll yeah. have to find out next week what you came up with. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if I like it or not. All right. <laughs> have a, enjoy your meal. Thank you. Have a good one, Bob. All right. There you go. Mike Dandrio. Mike over there at 13. First alert weather this morning as we're about 23 minutes before 6 o'clock. We're going to sneak back to the FFA convention. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And once again, our report from the uh, National FFA convention. 96th National FFA convention already. Wow. Being brought to you by Compare Financial. Also the folks at Citizen State Bank of Loyal and Ag Country Farm Credit Services. We'll join Jill right after this. For those who work in acres, not in hours, Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. We're at the 96th National FFA Convention in Indianapolis, Indiana. It's really filling up with those blue jackets, but there's a lot of blue jackets that have a lot of responsibilities, and they've earned the right to compete in contests here at the national level. And from Wisconsin, I caught up with Morgan Bearwolf. She's from the Columbus FFA, and she got to compete in employment skills. And national level can't be the first stop. Where did you start out on this journey to work your way to competing here in Indianapolis? So you start with districts, and then about a month later, you hit March, and there you go to sectionals. And after sectionals, then it's a nice journey on to state. In September for this contest, I started by doing a virtual component to the contest. So I went through an interview that was all online. And here we are November 1st, and I'm down in Indiana, and I had my first round this morning. So, and there's more than one round once you get to the national level, isn't there? 
So depending on how you do in your first round. So this morning I went against about all 50 states. I think there was about 46 that were there this morning. And I had my first flight. So each flight has about seven to eight kids in it. And there's six different flights. So then you go through your first flight and then they judge them all. And the top two from each flight move on to the finals. So there will be 12 that will compete in a networking activity, which happens tomorrow, where we have lunch with the judges. And then after that, then we go through a phone call where we accept the job offer. Then from there, they narrow it down to the top four where they go through a final interview. Let's talk a little bit about that job that you interviewed for. Sure. So I'm applying for a job that I currently already have. So I work at the Columbus Countryside Veterinary Clinic in Columbus, Wisconsin, and there I work as a veterinary medical assistant. So I assist with x-rays, I help restrain animals, um, and I uh, participate in the exam rooms with the appointments there. So here it's a lot easier for me to apply to a job that I already know the responsibilities for and have done the physical job itself. So when I'm applying, then I can just relate back to the experience that I've had in Columbus. And along the way, they ask you questions that are kind of job-specific too, don't they? Yeah, of course. So if you don't have that on-the-job experience, then it can be really difficult to answer those questions. So there's still a few more steps before you find out how well you did. But we're going to take a little adventure into the future. Yeah, so I'm at the University of Wisconsin River Falls, and I have a pre-vet dairy science major with a minor in chemistry, and I've got plans to become a veterinarian. So I I live in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, but I go to I went to high school in Columbus, and so it's about three and a half to four hours up north, northern Wisconsin, from home. And so we've already got some snow there, and so I've got yep, plans to be a vet. Just having the experience in the vet clinic, is that one of the main reasons that has pushed you to be a veterinarian in the future? That's definitely part of it. I guess it all started when I was younger. So I come from a dairy farm. We milk about 650 cows um, right outside of Sun Prairie. And so just growing up on the farm and being around cows, you know, feeding calves, getting all the hands-on experience through the farm, that definitely helped and was part of it. And then I really got interested in the veterinary medical side of the farm. So, you know, the vaccines and then the veterinarian coming out for herd health, that definitely sparked it. And my mom told me, you know, being a vet isn't all just about going and seeing different farms. You've got to get in the clinic and see a new setting. So from there, our neighbor was actually an office manager at the Columbus Countryside Vet Clinic, and she helped me get my foot in the door in Columbus. And again, that's Morgan Bearwolf from the Columbus FFA lives in Sun Prairie. They milk 650 cows. That young lady, that's the first time I've ever uh, heard her, but you talk about enthusiastic. Man, oh man, a, another example of As we always say, good kids doing good things, good young people doing some really good things. Morgan Barrel from the Columbus FFA, as uh, Jill covers the convention, and uh, of course, as the results are starting to come in, the convention goes today and tomorrow yet, of course, so uh, some of the results coming in, but our report's brought to you by Compere Financial, Citizen State Bank of Loyal, and Ag Country Farm Credit Services. We've got markets, we've got Brent, we've got 35 degrees. And we do have markets to get to. Let's head over to the Equity L Tuna Barn. Jim Lindsay with Thursday's numbers. Choice beef steers nephers dollar fifty to a dollar seventy five. Choice dairy cross steers nephers dollar fifty to a dollar seventy. Highling choice and prime Holstein steers dollar fifty five to a dollar sixty two. Choice Holstein steers dollar forty five to a dollar fifty four. Select underfinished heavyweight oversized steers and heifers dollar forty four and down. Top twenty percent of the cull cows sold from a dollar to a dollar eighteen. We had a top of a dollar nineteen. Sixty percent of the cows sold from seventy one to ninety nine. The bottom twenty percent of the 
cows sold from 70 and down. Organic market from Tuesday, 80% of the organic cows sold from $1.25 to $1.45. Bottom 20% of the organic cows sold from $1.24 and down. Cow bulls sold from 90 to $1.18. Thin full horn and lightweight bulls all discounted. 80% of the 95-pound and up Holstein bull calves sold from 450 from $250 to $420 per head. Light and poor quality calves sold from $250 per head and down. Quality beef calves sold from $350 to $720 per head. Just a quick reminder, our next special feeder sale will also be featuring bred beef cows, and that sale is this Friday, November 3rd. We are expecting five to 600 head of feeders and 50 to 60 bred beef cows for the sale. We will sell the feeders at noon, followed by the bred beef cows after the feeder sale. All feeder sales are live on Cattle USA. If you have any questions about how to register as a bidder on Cattle USA or to consign cattle to upcoming sale, feel free to give us a call at 715-835-3104. To check out our early consignments, go to the Equity Livestock Market Consignment page and click on the Altoona Market. This has been Jim Lindsay reporting. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Well, let's get over to the Equity Stratford sale barn on this Friday morning. Jerry Fitzgerald is with us and... Following high school football, you got Edgar still in coming over this way to play Boysville tonight. Yeah, I've seen a big game around here. I believe Stratford's playing Auburndale. You, Stratford, oh, Stratford's playing Auburndale and Edgar and Boysville, McDonald and Thorpe, so should be some good games, huh? Well, and uh, I think the weather's going to be pretty decent because compared to last weekend, so it's, it'll probably be in the 30s tonight, but that's that's good football weather, I guess, so yeah. We'll see what happens. Yep, at least it's not raining, and uh, it'll be good high school football as they get closer to the finals and we uh, crown some of those state champions, so that's a good thing. Well, wrap up the week for us. I'll do that, Bob. Thank you, and good morning, everyone. Uh, summary from yesterday, Thursday, and this past week, a uh, busy week here at Equity Stratford this week. We'll start off with a cow market, conventional cup. Uh, conventional cows, high-yielding fleshy Holstein cows in yesterday's auction, uh, selling from 96 to $1.10. Earlier this week, we had a lot of fancy Holstein and beef cows top out from 112 to 120 and a half. Most of the cows this week sold from 70 to 96 That's the majority of your cows, uh, $70 and below on those thinner cows. On the bull trade, your better quality bulls are selling mostly from 104 up to a top of 125 and a half on Wednesday sale. And again, uh, on the middle of the week there, we had a lot of those high-yielding Black Angus bulls from 117 up to 125 and a half. Lighter weight bulls a dollar and below. On the Fed cattle trade, your choice grading Holstein steers are selling mostly from a dollar 44 to a dollar 60. High yielding choice strictly prime Holsteins from 161 to 165 and a half, and your select grading under finished cattle 140 and below. On the organic market on Tuesday, high yielding uh, good quality certified organic cows were selling from 138 to 148. And uh, on the calf market this past week, a mostly steady trend throughout the whole week. Uh, most of the good quality Holstein bull calves weighing 9,230 pounds, selling from 200 to 400, up to 440 on Monday. Heifer calves mostly from 75 up to 210. And your beef calves this week, 350 up to an extreme top of 705. And we'll look at the sales schedule next week here at Stratford. Full marketing week on tap. Of course, uh, our next hay sale will be next Tuesday, next dairy auction also next Tuesday. Uh, next week, uh, well, a special feeder cattle sale, and we will be featuring a special red-hided feeder cattle sale. Of course, we'll feature those red-hided feeder cattle, but we also do have a good selection of black cattle and uh, Holsteins for that sale. So that'll be next Wednesday at 1230 again. If you have feeder cattle consigned, let us know. We'll put them on the list for you at 687 4101 
is our phone number, and so a busy week on tap next week. And uh, before we leave this morning, I know there's a special event in your in your life this week, Bob, so happy birthday. I'm not sure what day it is, but uh, uh, that'll, I, I be, guess, that'll be on Monday. That'll be on Monday. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, and I guess uh, I don't want to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, throw water on your parade, but I mean, if uh, for as many candles as you're going to need on your birthday cake, oh, you... You Volunteer might want to fire check. department's on standby. Oh, I was just going to say, make sure you get a burning permit. <laughs> <laughs> That's about right. That's for sure. So, well, yeah, anyway, Bob. Who uh, does, hey, uh, who did you say Stratford's playing? I think they're playing Auburndale. Oh, Auburndale, okay. I think, anyway, so uh, will you be on duty Monday? But anyway, we're going to wish you a happy birthday. Well, so. I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, I've had a few, so I know how, to, I know how the process works. So <laughs> we're, we'll talk to you next week. You betcha, Bob. And like I said, after you get to be 50, it's just another day anyway. That's exactly right. Thanks, dear. Jerry Fitzgerald over at the Equity Stratford Sale Bar. Taking a look at the rest of our markets before we get to Brent this morning. Board of Trade corn was lower yesterday. Beans a little higher. And overnight, December corn down a fraction at uh, 469. Oats up a fraction at 377. December wheat uh, down one to two at 563. March beans up another two cents, 1344. December meal down 60 cents at 425.70. Some of our country elevator prices corn in uh, Chippewa Falls today, 409. The beans at 1239. In Connersville, 414. The beans at 1232. In uh, Arcadia corn, 425. Soybeans, 1245. And in Loyal, new crop corn, 425. Beans, 1231. On the DTN screen, at Golden Plump there in Arcadia, corn's 437. At Baldwin, 420 and 1240. The corn at Durand and Fall Creek, 415. The beans at 1230. Mondovi, 420 and 1235. Elmwood, 425 on the corn, 1240. On the beans, Osseo, 429 and 1240. Elk Mound, corn, 415. Beans, 1245. Sparta, 418. 1227 on the beans and at Ellsworth corn 410 beans at 1230 and uh, ethanol plants Boyceville 429 Stanley 425 New Richmond 420 and uh, don't forget tomorrow over at Connorsville for the Boyceville FFA they're going to have a fundraiser come on in and donate some corn for their fundraising activities for the Boyceville FFA they'll have a meal over there at the at the Connorsville elevator so again uh, support the Boyceville FFA tomorrow Barrel cheese unchanged, 167 and a quarter. Blocks up a cent and a half, 170. Butter down two and a quarter at 312. November class three up 15 at 1739. December up 22 at 1735. January up 13 at 1747. February and March both up eight. February 1784. March 1822. We'll visit with Brent Wink next. Feeding information to the folks who feed you. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And on this Friday morning, once again, Brent Wink is with us on our Cover the Crop program. But Winfield United, Land O'Lakes Division of uh, Agriculture with Land O'Lakes. And uh, Brent, you were talking, I know we got things you want to talk about, but you were talking about drones last week. And I know the trials you've got around here. Uh, did you use actually drones to put the uh, fungicides, herbicides on this year? Yeah, we had... The trial that I had referenced last week was used with a ground machine, uh, you know, a, a regular sprayer, high-clearance sprayer. And the year before, we had did some drone trials. We had hired a company that came up and did side-by-side trials versus uh, a sprayer or ground yeah, machine. Yeah. And that year, there was difference. There was a, a greater response with that high-clearance machine, uh, mainly because you're spraying more water. You're using more volume. 
lot of these uh, drones are only using two gallons of water per acre as the carrier. Yeah, I always and, wonder how much yeah, material so the, a drone can carry. The one that we carry. had used in 2022 was an eight-gallon drone. You know, it had an eight-gallon yeah. container, so you're only able to go spray four acres, and then it returns, and you reload it. And so it's spraying two gallons per acre of of the mix. So you've got your product and the water. So there's actually probably only about a you know a gallon and a half of water per acre, and then the mix. And the ground machine, we were spraying 20 gallons of water. So you, when you have that much more carrier, and you get better coverage on the on the on the crop, I think that's where the differences are. So what what we decided from a Winfield United standpoint is we really start focusing on the nozzles and the types of drones because some of them are able to get that product down into the canopy a little bit better. So they really think that they've they've made some strides. Obviously, we're not in the drone business, so you're just taking what uh, what companies are out there and what products are out there, but we are in the adjuvant business and, and how you're able to get things to get into the crop, stick to the crop, and spend a lot of time around that. So they, they really think that they've fine-tuned a lot of that stuff, and we're going to have a lot closer results to, like, helicopters or airplanes or our ground machines. And, and like uh, one of the guys that's doing the trial said, uh, for some of these fields, if there is no other option and a drone does provide a positive response that gives you a positive return on investment, um, that's, that's maybe that's, your only alternative. All right, that's the way to go. Well, we've yep. had uh, frost this week, uh, and hopefully farmers have been able to maybe some of these fields stiffen up enough to get a little work done. But uh, what, do you, what else you got for us this morning? Yeah, I just thought you know it's it's really been a slow last few weeks, and it, wow, it took it took a while for that first frost to finally come to finally uh, terminate the rest of the crops. But luckily, we were able to get quite a bit of the harvest off before uh, the weather had turned bad. So I thought I'd just highlight a couple of top performers from the different companies. You know, Winfield United is a supplier for NK Seed, DeKalb Asgrow Seed, uh, Bravant, and Cropland. And so I decided to just highlight a couple of the a couple of varieties from the company. So uh, NK, we'll start with them. Uh, they've got a variety ninety two thirty one. It's a ninety two day. Uh, last year and this year, it's been one of the top performers in that ninety day maturity set. So I really like to see consistency when you're looking at varieties. So that's that's certainly one that uh, that jumps off the table uh, from the Bravant side. Uh, that's the old Mycogen brand, and and uh, when they'd kind of merged with uh, Dupont, now they changed the name. So Bravant uh, Seed Corn that's been there for a few years now. But that ninety day trial, they've got a ninety one W thirty five. that was actually a hundred and seven percent of trial mean. So that NK variety and this Bravant variety were the two tops in that ninety day trial set at a hundred and seven percent of the trial averages. So that was that was some of the largest response there. Moving along to the 95-day trial sets, a couple of them that really jumped out. Uh, DeKalb has, they'd kind of changed their numbering system. Uh, in the past, their varieties, you had to add 50 to the first two numbers, and that was their maturity, and now their numbers, the first two numbers are the maturity of it. So they have a brand-new corn this year, DeKalb 9621. So it's the 96-day. That variety was tops in our 95-day trials. Every plot that I saw that in, it just was incredible, consistent, performing variety. Really liked the look of that. Um, so that was one that really stood out. 
A DeKalb 4535 is one that had won the sets last year. That's a couple of year, uh, a little older product, but that performed very well again this year. And then uh, in the cropland lineup, um, 38.99 is an old standby. That's a 98 day that did very well in the 95 and 100 day trial. Then we've got two new uh, varieties. Uh, cropland 37.24 is a 97 day, and cropland 38.52 is a 98 day. And both of those actually did extremely well, also. So again, your agronomists have all kinds of data. They've got all that to share and look through. But our biggest thing is you look for consistency. Proven performers, you like to see year-over-year repeatability. They don't always have to be the plot winner, but you kind of like to see them always finishing near the top. So uh, work with your agronomists and kind of lock up supply on some of these higher-performing varieties as we move through the fall. Thank you, Brent. Brent Wink with us again on a Friday morning. And again, if you're out harvesting, do it safely. If you're out driving around, be aware that equipment is on the road. But enjoy it today. We'll have some sun later on. We'll get a high about 47 Sunshine tomorrow, too. You've been listening to the Midwest Farm Report. Available at WaxRadio.com in its entirety every day. Brought to you in part by Bluff Country Feed and Seed in Montovi. And the Chilson family of brand dealerships, Chippewa Falls and Kadok. On-demand content at WaxRadio.com.